Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. All right, let's get into this together quickly. We've got 25 minutes. So write fast, listen fast. I'm going to speak fast. We've been talking about things that make us strong. As I said last Sunday night, I'm amazed how ask anybody, go out anywhere tonight and say, can you tell me how to get physically stronger? Everybody you speak to will have an opinion. They'll point you to a gym. They'll point you to a personal trainer. They'll tell you about some exercise regime that they follow, whatever. But ask people about how to become strong on the inside. And most people will give you a blank look like, well, you know, I don't know. If they're a Christian, they'll probably say, well, pray more or something rather like that. It's one thing to be strong for the inevitable difficulties that we will encounter in life. They will come your way. But I think it's even more important that we become strong for the equally inevitable opportunities that will come our way in life. So understand from my perspective, I'm not speaking about being strong because after all, life's tough and You know, it's a grind and boy, you better learn how to get strong and grit your teeth. I don't think like that at all. I want to be strong for the vision and the opportunities that God opens up to us. I never want ever God to open a door and I go, I say no, because I'm too chicken. I want to say, God, if you open it up, I'm going to walk through that door in the name of Jesus. So I want to be strong. It's too late to be strong when the opportunity arises or to start getting strong. Like, you know, you want to get strong now. You want to get fit now. You want to get healthy now. Not when the doctor says we're going to operate and tear something out of you. You don't want to then go, gee, I should have exercised. You want to start on that in your life right now. So tonight... I want to give you the next one in my list of things that make you strong. Last week I spoke about gratitude, building a life of gratitude, then talked about how to learning how to find joy regardless of circumstance. So here's the third thing that I want to speak to you about tonight. Would you listen all the way through? Because at the end I'm not going to uh, talk about this thing. I'm going to talk about how to get it in your life. Because so many people don't know how to get it. They think it's mystical. They think that it happens to the special few. I actually believe that God wants to give every person in this room or listening via the podcast, no matter who you are, God wants to give every single one of you this thing for your life and it will make you strong. It'll make you strong against temptation. It'll make you strong for opportunity. It'll make you strong to fulfill what God's put on your life. It'll make you strong when otherwise you would shrink back. I was thinking last week, Sarah, if I can just say, remember Jesus' blood. Uh, that was last year. Sarah had come to us. She works uh, at the University of WA in charge of uh, managing the whole music department, the biggest school in the whole of UWA. She'd got this dream and heard this song and uh, thought, you know, uh, we should do that. Someone should do it. Rhonda and I went and saw her at the UWA club and she outlined this dream and said, what do you think? And I said, go for it. She said, give me some advice. I said, I don't think you need my advice. I think you've got this thing nailed. But I know along the journey, there was lots of opportunities for Sarah to pull out 
or to ease off the pedal. There were people going, well, no, we're not sure. Well, it probably won't happen. How are you going to get all these people? Well, one night last year, 3,000 people were there to take part. Over a 1,000 people uh, were actually players in this thing of Jesus' blood. It was one of the most extraordinary nights I've ever been a part of. I remember telling people about it and they're going like, are you serious? I went, yeah. But all that happened because somebody was strong when other people were failing or pulling back. Somebody was strong. So listen up for a sec. Here we go. The thing I'm speaking about that makes us strong is a clear vision. Let me give you just a couple of verses. Here's one, Proverbs 29 verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But whoever keeps the law, that's the laws of God, happy is that person. One other version says, without a vision, people dwell carelessly. Another one says, where people don't have clear vision, they become loose. The word's actually loosen. It's like when a tooth gets loose. And you know when a tooth gets loose, it becomes useless. You can't chew on it. You can't do anything with it. It hurts to drink, anything cold or hot. And God says, when you don't have a clear vision, it's like some part of your life becomes useless. The reality is that without a clear vision of why you are on the earth, you will most likely waste your energy and your talents. I don't think the saddest thing is people dying young. I think the saddest thing is people dying old that have never fulfilled their destiny. I think that's way sadder than a young person going early. But an older person who's lived their whole life and gets to the end and say, what was that about? Why did I live there? Why did I do that? Hayden spoke a couple of weeks ago about the gap on the tombstone, that little hyphen between the day you're born and the day you die. So without a vision, we dwell carelessly. A couple of years ago, I got a phone call in the middle of, the, of a weekday from a man I knew saying, my son, who was I think 21, or around about that, he's been involved with a massive car accident, drove his car into a power pole and split his liver in, into a third of his liver, got split off. And he said, would you come and pray? I'd never met the young man at all. I knew the dad. So I got in my car, drove as fast legally as I could down to Frio Hospital, walked into the emergency department where they're prepping this guy for surgery. The, the surgeon looked at me. He said, you've got 15 seconds. So I've never seen this kid. People are sticking tubes in him, all kind of things going on. But I go, you know what? This is not the time for being shy. I laid my hands on the boy. I said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let healing flow into this boy's life. On the operating table, he died three times. When I went back to visit him, uh, the surgeon, the father said to me, everybody on the ward is calling him the miracle boy because they say there's no way he should be alive. Well, to cut a long story short, uh, about a, a month or two later, He's out of hospital. I went to visit him at his home. Now, you would think that somebody's just received that dramatic a gift from life because he said to me, and he never met me, said, the moment I heard your voice, I knew I was going to be okay. He said, I saw the light that people talk about. He said, I heard a voice say, go back. It's not your time. And you'd think his whole life would change. Do you know what? 
that young man never, ever got into a great and healthy place. And as far as I know to this day, he's never gone on and used the great gift of life that was given him. Why? Because he had no sense of purpose. There's actually a thing called survivor guilt where people who have survived things like that and go, why me? Why was I saved and others were lost? He could never grapple with that and out of that really lost his way in a big way. Went back into a whole lot of things that weren't that healthy for him at all. Uh, Without a clear purpose for your life, your gifts and talents will become destructive. You've got to find the why behind your what. You've got to find the why. Life's not about what, what I do, what degree I get, what house I live in, what suburb I am, what my career looks like. Your life, listen to me, your life is designed for why. God has made you, we are the only creature on the planet that is programmed to ask why. Why? That's why every human I've ever met that encounters tragedy, whether they're Christian or not, they always say the same thing, why? That you are programmed because there's something which I believe is the imprint of God on humans. There's something inside of you that says there is a purpose for my life. And when something throws a curveball and a question at me, I don't know how to deal with it. Find the why behind your what. You're studying for your degree, but do you have a why behind it? Maybe you're starting a family or building a marriage. Is there a why behind that? Or is it just about, well, I like them. Maybe some older people here might be thinking about retiring. Is there a why behind even that decision? Ask yourself, listen to me, if when I counsel people, and I don't do much of that anymore, but when I do counsel people that are going through great difficulty, I'll try and give them a why. I was in a pharmacy a couple of months ago, and I think I was getting a script filled for my wife or something, or I don't know, even know why I was in there, but I, I walked in and there were two pharmacy assistants standing at the front counter chatting away together. I came up and, and showed them the piece of paper and they said, oh, sorry, you know, we were just chatting because our job is so boring and pointless. Never met me. You're, you know, pointless. I said, really? I said, I find that hard to believe. They went, huh? I said, think of how many people come in here and they've just been to the doctor. And the doctor has written them out a script and said, this tablet, this pill, this medicine is going to fix your life. And I said, they come in here having suffered with all the problems they've got. And you know, they hand that script over and they walk out of your pharmacy with hope. I said, I don't think your job's pointless. I think what you are is givers of hope to people. And this one lady looked at me and she said, I've never thought of that before. When I left, because I had to come back to get whatever it was. When I came back, she said, thank you for what you said. Then she said to me, by the way, are you still a pastor? <laughs> I walk around with a permanent smile in case I don't. And, uh, but here's the deal. I never changed her job. I never got her a pay rise. I never altered anything in that woman's life except she altered her why. Why she went to work every day. She altered her why. That's the only thing that changed. So let me ask you, do you have a powerful why in your life? Is there a reason or are you just kind of going along hoping somewhere between here and dead, you'll figure it out? 
All right? I think we can do better than that. I woke up this morning uh, thinking about this. Don't ask me why I just did. I woke up thinking about Psalm 23. I know the Psalm backwards and inside out and upside down, but I, I was thinking about how Psalm 23 starts off, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's verse one, two, and three. Verse four says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you're with me. Verse five says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And it dawned on me in some unearthly hour this morning while it was still dark. It dawned on me that the guy in the valley of the shadow of death gives you zero detail about the valley of the shadow of death. He gives you huge detail about where he's been, verse 1, verse 2 and verse 3. He says, I'm beside green pastures, still waters. I'm having my soul restored. He's my shepherd. He tells you all that. He gets into this other thing and says, I'm in the valley of shadow of death and doesn't tell you whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, financial or anything else. He tells you zero detail about it. And then he tells you all the detail about what's coming up. And the thought struck me that the reason he didn't give any detail was because that wasn't where his focus was. His focus was not on the valley of the shadow of death and, oh, God, look where I am and how did I get here and whose fault's this and, oh, God, it's so terrible and, God, I wish I'd never been born and, oh, God, you know, that person that stuck me in here and gave me the wrong directions, I hate them, oh, God, smite them. Oh, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He, he's so occupied with where he's going that where he is right now doesn't dominate. Listen to me. If you tell me your dominant emotions, I will tell you what your vision is. Tell me in any arena of life, what's your dominant emotions? And I'll tell you what you are gazing at, what you are imagining, what you are envisaging. This guy goes through the valley of the shadow of death. And what does he say? I don't have fear. The dominant emotion in his life is not fear. It's actually security. You know what? Not just because he's such a spiritual guy, but because of what he's looking at. He's looking up ahead, says my head anointed with oil. All my, my enemies. He's seeing his enemies crouch down at his table, at his feet. That's his vision. And when your vision is about something God is doing, your emotions will never be the emotions of people without God. Are you all here? Think about it a minute. Because unless we change and discover the why for our life, then we are always at the mercy of everything going on. Everything coming up. See, I believe every single one of you, it doesn't matter who you are. And trust me, it doesn't matter how old you are. Nobody here has made too many mistakes for destiny. Nobody here has missed the boat. It's not like God said, sorry, it left at 8.15 and you weren't there. So I took off without you. I missed a plane once. Last year, I think it was. I'm standing at home in my kitchen. They, I got a phone call from Qantas saying, Mr. Woodward, are you, are you going to come on this flight? I said, I'm in my kitchen. <laughs> they said, but you're on this flight. I said, not that I know about. And so they never held the flight. They never said, we'll wait while you pack your bags. We'll wait while you get everything and drive to the airport because Mr. Woodward, you're so important, we'll wait for you. No, they just took off without me and I had to go the next day. 
By the way, somebody made a mistake at the booking, so I wasn't supposed to go the next day. But anyway, that's another story. Here's the deal. God's not like Qantas. Everyone, turn to your neighbour and say, God's not like Qantas. God's not like Qantas. Listen, if you're not at the boarding gate 20 minutes before departure, God doesn't go, oh, forget it. God, God's going to be there for you. There isn't anybody here that's missed out. So let's talk about how do you discover in the next five to eight minutes, I'm going to tell you how. Because my passion is always tell people how to do stuff. You know, I don't want to just preach stuff that when you get to heaven, you go, well, that was nice to know. You know? They say when the Russian Revolution took place, uh, beginning of last century, that the church leaders were actually seriously having a discussion about the number of angels that could fit on a pin. Like, that would really help you. Woo! Was it a million angels? You just go, what is that? It's nuts. How do you you discover your destiny? Number one, I'm sorry these are so simple that some of you are going to go, already knew that. Question isn't what you know. Question is what are you doing with what you know. Amen. I don't want to go to a dentist who goes, I know how to fix your teeth. I want him to say open wide. Huh? I'm not interested in a dentist that knows it all. Yeah, he's got all the certificates. I want a dentist that, first of all, he's got to be painless. <laughs> I have one of them. Here's the first thing. Ask God to reveal his purpose for your life. I'm amazed how many Christians never ask God who made them, who designed them, who called them. They never go, what do you want? You know, the apostle Paul was Saul and he was a persecutor of Christians in Syria, by the way. Just thought I'd chuck that in. This thought occurred to me while I'm praying for Fakri the other day. You know, the wise men turned up and delivered gold, frankincense and myrrh. Do you know where Joseph and Mary and Jesus took it? They took it to Egypt. Isn't that a funny thought? All the wealth, I've read it was a king's gift. I've heard everything. I've seen studies that say it was in the millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. They took it to Egypt. I thought, wow. I said that to Fakri. He said, yes, we know where it is. We know where the tree is. Well, history says where the tree is. Paul, that same Paul, said this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He said, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. Let me say to you tonight, many of you here, God is wanting to reveal his son in you. Not so that you will go to heaven as a Christian, but he wants to reveal the purpose of Jesus in your life. There's a purpose for Jesus in you. Huh? But if you never ask, he says when it pleased God, he lived his entire life never once ever knowing what he was on the planet for. So when this Christian thing started, he started persecuting him because it was opposite to everything he'd ever learned to know. But when he got arrested by Jesus on the road to Damascus, and they tell me in much of the Middle East, this is what they said to me. They said, Jesus appearing to people is an everyday occurrence. Maybe not in Australia. But I said it happens so often over there where Jesus will appear to people that 
have got long religious tradition and Jesus appears and says, I'm the one you're really looking for. Pretty out there, I know. And if you don't believe in the supernatural, then you'll struggle with that one, but God is supernatural. So this apostle Paul gets arrested by Jesus. When I say arrested, stopped by Jesus on the road to Damascus. First thing comes out of his mouth is, who are you? Second thing comes out of his mouth is that question. What do you want me to do? He says, show me my purpose. Can I say to you, listen, don't ever think that this is for people that are called to the ministry because every Christian's called to the ministry. Well, you know, that's for people that have pastor after their name. No, 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 no. Or before their name. No, it's for everybody. God will listen to me. God wants to reveal his purpose in you. Ask him. Now, if that doesn't mean you're going to get an appearance of Jesus or angels, it hasn't happened to me yet, but who knows? There's a divine purpose for your life. Why not let him take over the driver's seat? Here's number two, second thing. These are so simple, but I've found a lot of people don't know them or do them. So you ask God, God, what do you want for my life? God, I'm here. Here's the second thing. Act in the direction that you think he's leading you. Here is my saying for this, that guidance comes only to things that are in motion. You don't steer parked cars. You only steer something that's moving. Get in a boat and start steering it. It makes zero difference at all until the boat is moving and then changing the direction, changes where that boat's going. In exactly the same way, don't ask God for guidance unless you're ready to move from where you are. Huh? We run EFM in this church called Equip for Ministry, helping people to discover what God's gifted them for. Do you know why we do that? It's not so that we can give them a little label to go out of the church wearing kids' ministry, youth, worship, creative arts, tech. It's so that they get a starting point. That's the entire purpose of it. We give people a starting point. We say, start here. We do that because after having asked God, what do you want me to do? We say, start somewhere. Pastor Bruce runs it. Go and ask him later when the next one is. But the reality is that some people do it and where they start is not where they finish. We don't mind. Some people go and start in an area and that's not where they're meant to be. But I've discovered that it never takes more than a few weeks for that person who starts to go, this obviously is not where I'm meant to be. But before that, they had zero guidance. They had no idea. They're just going, I don't know. I ain't got a clue. And then all of a sudden, because they asked and they acted, they start getting direction in their life. Here's the last one. Not, not, not rocket science. Stay on the journey. I think it's a great mistake to confuse destiny with destination. Huh? Destiny and destination aren't the same. I do not believe in the label of where you're meant to go. I believe in the journey of where you're meant to go. So every single one of us, most of us here could tell you the story. You were telling me just yesterday, the day before, about your journey and where God has placed you in. One of the largest churches in North America. At one point, you were the manager of a tire service for a while. Then when I first met you, you were the, in charge of the budget of Curtin University and with your forensic accountant degree and all the rest of that jazz and, 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 and 
all that part of the journey. But if you said to me, but Jeremy, but this is your destiny, I'd go, no, they were all your destiny. You follow what I mean? I look over here and there's Alan Woodvine. Alan's, uh, he's just a scientist. I don't know what he does. He told me last week he just discovered a new mosquito never known in Australia. To which he was excited about that. Me, I'd be excited if he killed it. Uh, but he's telling me about that. But, you know, then Alan last year goes, I think my life needs to get larger. And so he starts playing the flute. You know, I don't know if you'd played it before or somewhere back along there, but he picks it up again. Why? Because destiny is not, well, I found my job. I know what I'm doing. I'm discovering unknown mosquitoes. That's it. What do you do? God has called me to discover insects. Hallelujah. No, it wasn't just limited to that. Listen, don't limit God to what your job is. Don't limit God to the way you're serving him right now. Maybe he's got a lot more, but if you are walking, you'll keep finding more doors. Some people find a door and then they build a house outside it. They're sitting down outside the door going, I found Praise God, I found I'm right there now. I've got it. Woo! Listen, last time I checked, doors are not for standing in front of. Huh? Doors are for walking through. They're for walking through. Let's go walk through a few doors, amen? And, you know, if you walk through a wrong one, I said this to the guys up, thank you, team. I said this to the guys up in, um, in the Middle East Conference. Most people hear the words of Jesus about knock and the door shall be opened. And they think of one door. But that's easy. I think of lots of doors. I don't think, listen to me, I don't think God wants to limit you to one space, one time, one season, one thing. I think he wants to say to you, come on, there's a whole lot you can do. Amen. You can make a massive difference. Don't go, well, yeah, but my degree at uni, I'm going to study this and then I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to go and do this. But what if God is going to open up another door, not shut that one, but open you another door? Huh? What about if he wants you involved with something that you go, I've never done that. But if he opens the door, I'd suggest you go and go through that door. Amen. Yeah, but I'm busy. Well, the best people in my life are busy people. Huh? Let's pray. I've got to stop. I told you 25 minutes and that's right in on the dot. I want you tonight to, if you would, start, if you've never done it before, by saying, God, what do you want from me? Why am I on the earth? What am I here for? Don't get all existentially knotted up over it. You know, like if I don't find out tonight, my life's not worth living. That'd be crazy. Don't do that. It starts by saying, God, what do you want me to do? Then you go on, when you see an opportunity, you act on that. And then you keep moving through every door God opens. I believe most of us here in this room, myself included, are nowhere near our destination, but we are in our destiny. I don't think I'm anywhere near my destination yet. Nowhere near it. Come on, if that's you tonight, you say, Jeff, I want to say yes to God. Why don't you just stand up right where you are, hold your hands out before God and then ask Him, just right where you are, God, would you show me what I'm here on the planet for? I'm on the journey of that. that, Just stand up to your feet. I'm not going to embarrass you, you know, any more than asking you to stand up in front of everybody. 
but just stand up and say, God, thank you for standing up. God bless you. Whether you're old or young, whether you think, thank you. Whether you, whether you think, I love these kind of spaces. Thank you. Thank you. I love these spaces because, see, I love church where people go, I came to do business with God. So if that's you and you need to do it, maybe you've been a Christian like forever, but you feel like, you know what, I've, I've kind of lost the sense of, of clarity, of vision. I'm doing it, but I'm not really on the edge of that. Why don't you stand up and say to God, God, would you, would you speak to me? God, would you show me? Thank you. People are still standing up. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Lots of people standing up. God bless you for that. God bless you for that. God bless you for saying that to God. Because I know you're not standing for me or for anybody else. You're standing to say, Lord, would you show me? And God, I'll act if you'll show me. Heavenly Father, for every person standing right now, every person holding their hands out in front of them and saying, Lord, I'm giving you an offering of my life. I'm asking for your direction, not so that I can ponder it, pray over it, deliberate over it, get advice on it. I'm asking you so that you will lead me, show me, take me to where you want me to go in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for each one of them in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody that's seated, if you didn't need to stand, could you just pray for the people that are standing for a minute? Maybe just put your hand towards someone near you. Just say, God, would you show them the open doors? Would you show, come on. I feel right now like people are doing business with God. This is not a, a way to finish the service. This is holy and sacred moments where people are going, you know what? I mean this. I want God to show me. And only eternity is going to record the difference that moments like this are making in people's lives. Some of you didn't stand because you don't need to. That's fine. I understand that. Thank you for praying for the people around about you. Lord, help them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Ben, just lead us, if you would. Can we just worship for a minute? Let's all stand together just for a minute. Stay stay with us for a second. We'll be through in a minute, but stay with us. Worship God for a minute. God, I'm giving you my life. I'm allowing you, Lord, room in my life. Is there more? Is there more? And right now my circumstances are trying to push me back into what I know and what's safe. But what if there's more? God, I'm saying yes to more in my life. I'm saying yes to what you want to do in the name of Jesus. Folks, oh, I'm so excited about this church and this year. I'm excited about young adults. Excited about what God is doing. I'm excited that God is leading us into something supernatural and something spectacular. And I don't care whether everybody else outside of here is thrilled about it, but I know God is in it and He's leading us because we've said, Lord, would you take us somewhere? In Jesus' name. Know just what to do. Tell the Lord that tonight. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. You know just what.
Come on, let's sing it. I will love you, Lord. Sing the chorus part. Thanks, man. I will love you, Lord. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock, forever all my days. I will love. Come on, sing it again. I will love you, Lord. Oh, I will love you, Lord, my strength. Sing it again. I will love you, Lord. Oh, and I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days. Father, I pray for every person in this room or everybody listening via the podcast. I pray, God, that every single one of us will have a sense of call in our life. We're not just volunteers. We are called. We're not just people who were generous and decided to offer ourselves. You spoke our name. You knew us before we were even born and no one else knew our name but you knew us you pulled us into this life for a purpose and for a reason I pray God that everybody here regardless of what they're doing now whether at uni whether in a job career retired whatever school I pray that every single one of us will live every day with a sense that my life matters somewhere along the way I'm destined for God's use and God's purpose. Help us to live every day like that, Lord. Save us from thinking that fame and significance are the same thing. That destiny and destination go together. Help every one of us, Lord, to know that every day you're leading us and using us even when we don't know we're being used. You do great things. That's all you can ever do. You can't do small things or insignificant things. Everything you do is great. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. You can look this way a minute. This church will tell you, ask anybody that's been around that this church for any length of time, they'll tell you that the core of our church is reaching people that don't know Christ. It's just why we're here. I think it's why every church is on the planet. I don't believe in church that doesn't do that. I think every church is. There's lots of ways people do it, many different styles and methods. But if they're all about helping someone to see, you may never have the experience my friends in the Middle East have had of seeing Jesus, encountering Him. Oh, I wasn't like that. I was in a meeting like this. But I knew just as surely as I guess they do, I knew that Jesus was real and that He wanted me. I just knew it. Something in that service to me was more than singing. It was more than 
preaching the whole way through. I could hardly wait for it to finish because I knew that I wanted to say yes to Jesus for my life. Here in this church, we're doing this thing with Yes Text that has become so helpful to so many people. And you'll see it up on the screen, 488 You can take the number down. You can put it in your phone. You can go back out to the Connect Hub and they'll give you one of these. You can take one. Say yes to Jesus. That tells you the two ways on there, 488 or you can get it via email just by logging on to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Two clicks. Tell us your email. And every morning at 7, we'll help get you started on the journey to follow Christ. There are people in this room right here tonight who did that last year, said yes to Christ. And without anybody knowing what was going on, Christ began to change them. It works. It'll work for you. You get every morning, if you're getting it on your phone, one screen of your smartphone, a Bible verse and a prayer that you can pray to help you Discover, how do I start talking to God? A lot of people don't know. We help you do that. Lots of other ways we'd love to help, but they're they're just the beginning ways of that. Let me pray for you tonight. Heavenly Father, there are people here in this place that have wandered away from you. They've lost sight. They feel like their life is drifting. They feel like, God, you once were so real to them, but somehow or other now, it's like a memory. And God, tonight you're touching them and speaking to them. I don't know who you are. No one told me that you'd be here, but the Holy Spirit is telling me right now you're here. And God is saying to you, this is your moment. Come back to Christ. Say yes to Him again. Pick up where you left off. Start journeying with Christ again. Some of you here were raised in environments where God was not at all spoken of fondly or as though He were real. But you're here tonight in this place and you're hearing it and you go, boy, I wish that was so for me. Would you say yes to Christ tonight right where you are? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to get everyone to say it. This is a prayer saying yes to Jesus. Pray it and make it yours. Then text yes. Log on for the, uh, to yes.metrochurch.org.au or go visit them at the, at the Connect Hub and say, I prayed the prayer. That'll help you. Say this after me. Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me because I matter to you. I need you in my life. I open my heart to you and I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. 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 Can we give those people, whoever you are, just a big hand and say congratulations and well done.